Yes, the Florida Gators beat the South Florida Bulls this past Saturday, but maybe a bigger takeaway is how good the young backfield is for the Florida Gators. We're going to talk about it here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Tuesday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work at the whole nine sports and Giants country of SI.com. Before getting into today's content, just as a like, subscribe, comment, review. You know the drill by now. Um, I do appreciate, you know, everybody that subscribes, leaves a review on Apple Podcasts, because usually the mean people do, so I prefer if a nice person does. Um, But yeah, we're going to get into today's content, talking about the Florida Gators' backfield, primarily, obviously, the running backs who have been excelling. In today's episode, we are not talking about Naquan Wright, who, by the way, this past Saturday against South Florida, played his best game of the season by a fairly sizable margin if we're being honest about it um but this today we're just talking about the new running backs in the backfield so we're not talking about Naquan because he was here last year so that's why I do think that he's looking a little bit better I still think that it's his ankle that's holding him back from being the explosive Naquan that we know but again we're talking about Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne today because they have been playing so dang good uh, Montreal Johnson, of course, is a sophomore running back who followed Billy Napier from Louisiana to the University of Florida, excelled last season in this offense, and was a big play home run hitter this year. No different there. Uh, I believe Montreal Johnson is sixth in the SEC in rushing yards. He's got 240 rushing yards, 9.6 yards per carry. He's a beast this year. He's been, like I said, an explosive home run hitter. After contact, Montreal has 94 rushing yards. That's 39% of his yards coming after contact. That's honestly pretty dang good still. I realize that for some fans that have been listening to this show for a while, you might be like, ah, that percentage isn't that high because last year I kept talking about, you know, Damian Pierce, 60% of his yards. Naquan Wright, 60% of his yards. We're all after contact. So it's like, okay, so what? Uh, but no, 39%, pretty dang good. More than a third of his yards are coming from after contact. The rushing direction for Montreal Johnson is honestly pretty dang good. Um, he's been very evenly distributed with his carries, whether he's going in between the center and right guard, center and left guard, left guard, left tackle, right guard, right tackle, behind the right tackle, outside the right uh, tight end, left tight end, wherever he's been going, Montreal Johnson has found success. More success to his right, but also just I think that that's pretty obvious. Um, and we could say like we got Osiris Torrance on the right side. You've got Austin Barber on the right side now, who, by the way, Austin Barber has been moving dudes in the run game like going into the season i think i was prepared for him to be a solid pass protector because that's what i've been hearing but man he is he's a body snatcher in the run game i'm very excited to see what happens with austin barber as he gets more experience and more playing time 
Can't wait to see that. But yeah, Montreal Johnson has found more success to the right side of the offensive line. That's not surprising. We've been saying pretty much all season so far, all three games, we've been saying, you know, the left guard is the weak spot here. Uh, it, it's the least consistent spot on the offensive line. It's the worry. So it makes, I mean, honestly, it's not surprising at all that the left side of the offensive line is not the more explosive side. But again, it's still been good with Montreal specifically. It just hasn't been as good uh, as the right side. Montreal Johnson has also, has also forced eight missed tackles so far this season. So he's been pretty dang elusive. Which, by the way, the next when we talk about Trevor Etienne, that's the more impressive part. Montreal Johnson is a home run hitter. Like I've said multiple times on today's show alone, home run threat every time he touches the ball. 57.1% of Montreal Johnson's yards come on carries of 15 yards or more. That's his breakaway percentage. 57.1% of his yards come on these long runs. Which I'm fine with. I realize that because I said this, uh, I did Locked on Giants last week and we were talking about Saquon Barkley. And I was like, look, Saquon Barkley is a home run hitter running back. He's boom or bust. Um, Tyler Fornis this past Saturday talked about it with Adrian Peterson. He's like, look, like you see those carries. It's like two, three, two, one, negative one, whatever it might be. And then there's a long run. Montreal Johnson's been pretty consistent picking up these big yards. But also you, you deal with... You know, most of his yards came on these huge runs. I don't care. I, I don't care because odds are those huge runs are touchdowns. So I don't care. Uh, and that's what's happened with Montreal Johnson. He, he's just been a beast this year. And he, again, absolute home run threat. It's been beautiful to see. Um, that's just honestly, it's, it's so refreshing to see this explosive running game going. Montreal Johnson has had nine carries go for 10 yards or more. So just chunk play after chunk play. When you give the ball to Montreal Johnson, Billy, keep giving the ball to him. The other running back they were talking about is a true freshman, Trevor Etienne 7, as uh, his brother Travis Etienne tweeted free 7 this past weekend. Um, so far in the year, Trevor Etienne, 166 rushing yards, 7.5 yards per carry, 82 yards after contact which is 49.4% of his yards, almost have a shade under half of his yards are coming after contact. Trevor Etienne, that's also a more impressive thing for me because Trevor Etienne, he's not a big dude. He's not this big, brawling, burly back. You know, Montreal Johnson, he's got size, he's got thickness to him. Trevor Etienne doesn't yet. He's still fairly small. Needs to needs to put on a little bit of weight, if we're being honest. And that's not a yards after contact thing. That's a pass protection thing for me. Uh, he hasn't been good in it so far. He's been getting the job done, but not good in it. And that's, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that's something I very genuinely care about a lot with running backs. Trevor Etienne, so far this season, he's been an outside runner. He's not running much in between the tackles. Maybe that's contributing to why his yards per carry is, or his yards after contact is 50% of his yards because he's going against corners and safeties and typically worse tacklers, or he's just getting a, a hand on him. He's not running through tacklers. Montreal Johnson's 39%, 94 yards after contact, is more impressive because he's been running in, in between the tackles. But Trevor Etienne, I mean, I, I don't care how you're getting him. You're running through tackles. I don't care. You're running through arm tackles. You're, you're shedding tackles. I don't care what you do. He's also forced nine missed tackles, so one more forced missed tackle than Montreal Johnson so far this season. Again, incredibly impressive. It's awesome to see. 
Breakaway percent is 62% of his yards came on carries 15 yards or longer. Seven yard, seven carries so far of 10 or more yards. So Trevor Etienne, Montreal Johnson, absolute freaks so far. Uh, combined 406 rushing yards on the season. Combined, um, not, I'm not good at math and I'm doing this off the top of my head, uh, 176 yards after contact between the two of them. They forced 17 missed tackles so far. They've forced, or they've had 10 uh, yard runs of 10 or more yards. They've done that 16 times. Montreal Johnson is the more complete back right now. Etienne, though, arguably the more explosive back right now. And I again, I think he needs to bulk up a little bit to be a more consistent back and a more consistent, or maybe not more consistent, but a more complete back. Trevor Etienne needs to add a little bit of weight, but, but the young new duo of Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne, like, like we're in for a treat. Like we're getting very lucky with these running backs right now that they're so good and so consistent. We're about to take a look at tape Tuesday because it is Tuesday, you know, that's what we do. Offensively, we're looking at Montreal Johnson's touchdown run this past Saturday and Keon Zipperer's nice solid gain uh, in the passing game. First, a quick word from upside because – whether you're cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant. Inflation's hitting everybody where it hurts, right in the wallet, uh, and it does hurt. I'll tell you this. I, I bought a very popular brand of cookies today, um, a little a package of it. $7 is ridiculous for 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 cookies. Um, I'll tell you, four-letter word is the cookie. That's why I started using Upside, because Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, dines out, because with every purchase, I earn cash back. So those $7 cookies, I earn cash back. To get started, download the free Upside app, use my promo code LOCKED, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more, download the free Upside app. Use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. And everybody here, you're, you're kind of getting used to this. You know the drill at this point. It's Tape Tuesday, so that means we're going to look at four plays, two offense, two defense, and, and yeah, that, that's what we look at here in this beautiful, beautiful Tape Tuesday. And you don't have to see my face that much. So there's that. You get to see that. We're going to look at it right now. And I'll, I'll tell you, this play was a thing of beauty. <laughs> this, this is a beautiful zone run here. Uh, Montreal Johnson here. It's I'm going to play, as always, I'm going to play the play while I'm kind of setting it up. Um, so Montreal Johnson here. You're lining up in pistol with twin tight ends on the left. Uh, you got Xanders on the line, Keon Zipperer off the line. That's a little bit important because if you were here last year, you know, I have a run concept that I really, really love, and it's split zone. We talked about it a lot last year. We saw a lot of split zone read. Um, it was beautiful to see last year. I'm worried Jones was very explosive off it, as was Anthony Richardson. Um, I'm now realizing that for some reason the number isn't popping up on uh, Montreal Johnson's dot. I don't know if I forgot to do it, but again, that's an import, that's an unimportant part of this. But the defense was set sent into either all kinds of mayhem. Um, you can see me looking at the right because I'm looking at the play on the monitor on my right. 
Defense was sent into all kinds of mayhem here. You've got linebackers and safeties crashing down to the right side. I don't know if they thought this would be a run to the right or if they thought, hey, Anthony Richardson's going to roll out to the right, especially once they saw Keon Zipper come across the formation. Maybe they're like, okay, he's he's blocking for for um, Anthony Richardson here. But no. Uh, they, they Again, they sent a lot of pressure to the right side, which was fantastic for Florida because that took all those safeties immediately out of the play. South Florida's deep safety, as you can see, the white dot that eventually gets there. Yeah, I know the timing's messed up a little bit, aren't it? Whatever. Um, the white dot that you can see eventually get close to Montreal Johnson. We can even, we'll, 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 we'll set it like that. How's that? Um, but the one that gets a little close, you can see here he's coming back. He drops fully into his set. Like he bit so hard on it being a play action or his diagnosing skills. Not so great because. He takes himself kind of out of the play there. He drops back into his coverage. He's the deep safety here. It looks like they were going to go with cover three there. Um, and, yeah, South Florida just completely got annihilated on this play. It was horrible. And the Florida Gators offensive line put in work on this play. You can't see it because the dots, but Austin Barber was out there looking for bodies when he was out. Like This was just a fantastic play. It's so fun to see that, you know, it's not an explosive play because uh, Emory Jones or Anthony Richardson are just outrunning a defense. It's not that. It's not just that they fooled them with the schemes that Dan Mullen would draw up. It's not just that Damian Pierce is running through people and hitting them in the face over and over and over and over and over and over again. No, you're looking at a Florida Gators offensive line that run blocking is doing a phenomenal job so far this season. Like that's something that we haven't seen so long in Gainesville, and I love it. I I, I do love seeing it here. Now we're gonna look at the Keon Zipper reception that we saw, which I am very happy about because if you listen to last week's show, I believe I said it multiple times. The Florida Gators needed to get the tight ends involved in the passing attack to get Anthony Richardson's confidence up a little bit. Obviously, he still struggled this past weekend. But they needed to get tight ends involved, and I wanted them to get Keon Zipperer involved here. And that's what they did. You're looking at a pistol set again. You got 12 personnel again, which, again, we've been talking about this forever. You're going to see that with Billy Napier and this coaching staff. That's going to be something you see a lot. You've got an even set here. There's, there's no heavy heavy side here. You've got Keon Zipperer again offset, but you've got a receiver and a tight end on each side of the offensive line here. You've got Xanders on one side, Zipperer on the other, Justin Shorter on Zipperer's side, and Xavier Henderson on Xander's side. USF here, they run fire zone. They're, they're sending pressure. This is a kind of sim pressure. It's, it's a fire zone here where you got a lot of pressure coming into the middle of the offensive line. You've got an edge rusher or a seeming edge rusher dropping back. This is cover three from South Florida with that fire zone. And I will say this. I have criticized... Billy Napier's play calling, and I've criticized the the play calling in the passing game specifically uh, for the Florida Gators. This was nothing short of beautiful play design. So you'll look at the offensive line. You've got six to seven man protection, and I say six to seven man protection because Naquan Wright runs the play fake, and then he's blocking, but he sees there's not a blitzer for him to pick up. He's probably watching that end. And the end drops back into coverage. So Naquan Wright 
runs with a release to the flat. You've got scissors on the left. Justin Shorter is running that post route to take away the corner on there and that deep safety. And Dante is and and uh, Keon Zipper is running the corner route there, which by the way was a little bit of an ugly corner round, but but he got it done. Xavier Henderson here is waiting on a smoke screen, which when you watch the dots, you're kind of like, why does Florida have two receivers in the flat here with Xavier Henderson and Naquan Wright? It makes a lot of sense. I, I get it. You're kind of muddying the waters here, and it doesn't look pretty. But Xavier Henderson's waiting on a smoke screen there. First of all, Florida runs a lot of wide receiver screens, so it makes sense that, that South Florida might be anticipating that. Also, you don't know if Naquan Wright is going to run out for a route, if you're Florida here is what I mean, because now you have a check down for Anthony Richardson. If Naquan Wright had to stay back in pass protection, guess what? It's because that ed- that edge rusher is blitzing. So if that edge rusher is blitzing, then you have Naquan Wright picking him up and you have Xavier Henderson wide open for a check down for that little smoke screen there. That's why it's a fantastic play. Yes, it causes a little bit of a cluster, but you deal with that because you're kind of protecting yourself. If South Florida does blitz, you've got that blitz getting picked up. You've got Xavier Henderson being wide open in the flats if Anthony Richardson needs to check it down there. So that's a fantastic, fantastic play design by the Florida Gators. This is genuinely just a beautiful play design, play execution. This is what Florida's passing attack should look like. That's what it should look like. Also, Great ball by Anthony Richardson. Hit hit Keon Zipper perfectly in stride. So great ball there. And you get your better receiving option at tight end in Keon Zipper involved in the passing attack. And that's not a knock on Dante Sanders at all. I think he's been okay. He's been fine. But Keon Zipper is the better, more explosive option. Could have been a bigger play too. But Keon Zipper's momentum kind of carried him out of bounds when he caught that ball. Uh, but it, this was just a beautiful play. I'm going to watch it again, actually. I'm, I'm watching the dots again here because this was just fantastic by the Florida Gators. Also, fantastic protection because, again, South Florida, you look right here. They're blitzing the A-gap. They're going right at Kingsley at Glockman. They, they've got pressure coming in, and Florida's offensive line picked it up masterfully. That was beautiful offensive line play. This was, I think, the best play from the Florida Gators offense this past Saturday against South Florida. We're about to take a look at the defensive side of the ball, but first a quick word from our sponsors. To wrap up today's show, we're looking at the Florida Gators defense. First play, Trevez Johnson's interception. Next play, we're going to look at Brian Betty's 51-yard run, which wasn't great, but we'll talk about it. Um, yeah, Trevez Johnson's interception. Here is... It's wild because you you look at this defensive uh, alignment right now. You've got everybody near the line of scrimmage. Everybody's within five yards at the line of scrimmage, except Tradine. Tradine is 20 yards off because it's third and 11 in this situation. So you want Tradine to be able to watch what's happening and come downhill and attack. That's what you're looking for there. And that, that makes a lot of sense too because it's third and 11. You don't want to give up a big play, especially late in the game like this. Jason Marshall Jr. is on this right side. He's the field corner, or he's the boundary corner, and Devin Moore is the field corner there. Um, a guy tweeted about this when I saw it happen, but this is a weird duo that we didn't see much of, but we did see here. Uh, again, I'm cool with it. I have no problem with this being the duo. 
I'm fine altering things around and then messing with your rotations. I don't think you should rotate, but Jason Marshall Jr., Avery Helm should be the starting duo with Devin Moore rotating in, Jalen Kimber rotating in. Also, the reason we're not looking at Jalen Kimber's interception is because that wasn't a fun scheme interception. That was just Jalen Kimber being a dog there. Um, so that's why we're doing it. The slot goes in motion here across the formation, which we saw quite a bit from South Florida on Saturday night. So the slot goes in motion. Trevez Johnson was the one that made the call for the defense, by the way. Slot goes in motion, and Trevez Johnson starts waving his right arm and, and pushing the defense, essentially. He's the one telling the defense to shift. So I'm curious if with Ventro Miller out, if that's Trevez Johnson's responsibility when he's on the field. Also, maybe it's like, hey, uh, we think it's going to be a pass, so Trevor Johnson is making that call. I don't think that's really the case. I think it's more likely that someone needs to make the calls with Ventron Miller off the field. He's been the quarterback of the defense, so it's Trevor Johnson in this case saying, hey, he shifts the entire defense. He tells them all to move to the right. He does that, so I'm interested to see that. Florida looks like they're in cover three, but the confusing part to me is Jason Marshall Jr., because he looks like he's in man. He he follows 10 right out wide. He follows him on that crosser. I realized that last year with Todd Grantham, we saw a bit of Mabel. We'll see Mabel rotate in and out here. Uh, Mabel is, of course, cover three on one side, cover one on the other. But in this situation, it makes no sense for Florida to be playing in Mabel coverage. Um, so that's why I think, I think Jason Marshall Jr. maybe just got confused on what the call was. Um, I think he got confused on what the call was or he, or he blew the coverage, whatever it was. Um, I, I don't think this this was Mabel. I think this was straight cover three, just country cover three here. And Travis Johnson taking the seam flat responsibility. Amari Bernie dropping into his hook zone and reading the quarterback's eyes. Uh, he shifts to the right because Jerry Bohannon is getting pressure here. Um, by the way... <laughs> Uh, Antoine Powell Ryland, 52 here on the left, and Brandon Cox Jr., one there on the right. Uh, they went deep into the pocket. They wrapped completely around. They took very wide angles and got into the deep. They were containing Jerry Bohannon there because he is capable of making plays with his legs. So they did that. Brandon Cox Jr. disengaged very wisely once he saw Jerry Bohannon start rolling to the right. And as Brenton Cox Jr. is closing in, Jerry Bohannon throws the ball. It's overthrown, hits the receiver in the hands, and is intercepted by Trevez Johnson there on that right sideline. Um, that, that was just, it was a great play by Trevez Johnson. Great eye discipline, way to get himself in position. Because a lot of guys, once they saw that ball coming up to the receiver, they would have just flew in and tried to either hit the receiver and break up the catch or make a play once the receiver came down. Instead, instead, Travis Johnson did a very smart thing, waited in coverage. He had Amari Bernie in front of him, so Amari Bernie could have made the play, and Travis Johnson got the pick off the tip drill. Um, this was a fantastic play by the Florida Gators defense. I loved it. It was beautiful to see. Um, my only question is, what was Jason Marshall's assignment there? What was his role, and did he blow the coverage, whatever it was? Uh, obviously in the long run, didn't hurt Florida at all, but I'm just curious. That's just me being very curious about what's happening there. His last play, Brian Beatty, 51, or Brian Batty, 51 yard run. It wasn't a touchdown. It was a big play, but this was fourth and one 
And as always, we're going to click play here. Um, this was I beautiful play design by South Florida. It really was. Um, that's why I'm not super mad about it. Obviously, you can't let things like that happen. But this was beautiful play design by South Florida. So fourth and one, they come out in the shotgun with running back to the right of Jerry Bohannon, two tight ends on the left side of the field, and then they completely change the formation. Jerry Bohannon gets under center. The running back is behind Jerry Bohannon. Both tight ends go from the left side of the field to the right side of the field, which makes you think this is either a run to the right or a toss to the right side of the field, which a lot of teams like to do as well with this being the wide side of the field. You allow your running back, if he needs to, to run laterally parallel to the line of scrimmage and then pick up that yard and try to just demolish angles and then pick up a first down there. Receiver comes in motion from the left side of the field. After after all that formation shift, the receiver from the left side of the field comes in motion towards the right side of the field. He sells the sweep there. He sells that he's getting the ball. Like, oh, no, this is a jet sweep. That's why the tight ends move to the right side of the field. That's why I'm coming in motion. And I'll tell you what, the defense bites on it. Devin Moore and Rashad Torrance are taken completely out of the play at that point. They both think this is a jet sweep. Devin Moore looks like he's supposed to be in man because when the receiver goes in motion from the left, he starts following suit. So it looks like Devin Moore is supposed to be in man there. Uh, and, and he's taken out of the play. Rashad Torrance flies down on it, which again, I don't know what the run fits are. So I can't say if they, if Rashad Torrance screwed that up or if he, whatever it was, I don't, I don't know if he screwed that up. If he was supposed to watch contain there, whatever it was, I don't know. Whole defense though, bites in on the fake. They all cut. And I say they bite in on the fake because they all cut towards the center. They all were like, okay, this is a run that's going to the right. You've got, uh, Antoine Powell Ryland, you've got Javon Dexter, you've got Trey Dean, you've got Shamar James, all going to the right side of the field. They all go to the right side or towards their left, I guess, and from the offense towards that right side. Antoine Powell Ryland loses contain on the edge. It doesn't look like he was trying to set contain on the edge. So... I don't know if he was supposed to just not contain and he was supposed to just get in the backfield quickly. Might have been the might have been his assignment given that it's fourth and one. I don't know if his responsibility wasn't contained, if that was Devin Moore or Trey Dean, or maybe he thought he'd have them, but again, the motions took them off that side of it. So I don't know if he thought that they would have that responsibility or if he would have that responsibility. But it looks like it should have been his responsibility based on all the pre-snap movement. Who lined up where? The quick pitch from Jerry Bohannon to Brian Beatty, or to Brian Batty, I do that every time, uh, was a touchdown if not for Amari Bernie. Amari Bernie made a great play, great pursuit. He honestly didn't even necessarily stop it completely. He just kind of threw Brian Batty off balance, and that's what caused Brian Batty to get tackled there. So that was just a fantastic play by Amari Bernie to save the game or to save that drive at least. But this was just beautiful play design by South Florida, beautiful execution by South Florida. And it it, it did what pre-snap movement is supposed to do really. It, it took Florida out of the play. It made them think, it made them make too many adjustments and they made mistakes because of it. So that was just plain and simple, a fantastic play 
by South Florida. You hate to see it if you're a Florida Gator, but that that happens. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Hayden Hansen's joining the show. We're making depth chart projections as always. And I can't wait for this week's game against Tennessee. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole9Sports and GiantsCountryFSI.com. And I'll see you all tomorrow.